Hi, I'm Richie Mackay. And I'm Daley Bolt, and you are listening to The Wrong Bias Podcast. On today's show, we are very much focusing on the disability side of the sport, and our guest today is Gary Hood from Scotland. Uh, Also, we will have Richie's roundup, as usual. He will be covering the results from around the areas. Uh, I will have my seven up questions, and we will have our competition sponsored by Alex Marshall Sports. Thank you once again, and we'll be doing our usual chat, just catching up on a few topics. Well, mate, here we are again, show number nine, going back to our wedding anniversary. <laughs> it's pottery, so it's quite apt. We've got a couple of mugs doing this yeah, show, mate. You're a bit of a lad, row. Under 25, so I'm in the series at Stanley. We popped in to watch England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Atmosphere, tremendous, mate. Great advert for the sport. Yeah, I was talking to a few up at Stanley, um, and massive credit to the Stanley Club yet again. Yeah. They've had international series before. It seems to be a, a really well-received stadium for, for the international players to go to, and they didn't disappoint again. All run like clockwork. They were extremely surprised at what the turnout was for that yeah. series, and I did have a, I had a chat with them. And whether it's because it was a non-ticket event, I, I think that could have a big part to play. And yeah. I, I sometimes think people have a look at these ticket events and are not prepared to pay up front because they're not sure what's going to happen, especially yeah. if you've got to travel. And maybe because of this bad weather that we're having, people's maybe woke up and thought, "Well, I'm not going shopping in this. I'll pop up standing." And, and from as far as I'm aware, they've had I think they've had four or five hundred people well, there over the weekend. I don't know how many locals from our area went in. I didn't see many. There was quite a few. There was was the lads up from Gateshead today. I saw some lads in from Gateshead and um, South Shields lads were there. So there was some locals, but I I do wish we would support these events a little bit more. Um, I was was frustrated with the West Denton World Championships because I just never had a chance to get up there. Um, But again, great turnout. But you don't get to see this style of ball. No, no, no. It's an opportunity. Especially for young lads. Get up there and have a look at what you need to achieve. Yeah. It's the sport gets bad press, dull, it's boring, it's slow. That was anything but that yesterday. Brilliant, yeah. It was oh. tremendous. I mean, we walked in, there was actually a, a gin. <laughs> Free tasting table in front of us. Was there? I never spotted that. <laughs> anyway, you, you did wear the carpet out. I must admit. <laughs> to tell you the truth, you had to shut up shop she because you, I think our profits were going down the swanny. I thought after the sixth, I should take it easy and maybe not take the Mickey. You know, Aye, but, but, but I thought the Irish and the Welsh had been on it earlier on. The supporters. Well, the Irish and Welsh generally are always very, very vocal. The, the Scots are as well. England are, are a little bit more reserved. So as we've walked in for that first game, Ireland were playing Wales. A lot to play for in that first game. Um, because that sets sets the stall yeah. out for for the rest of the series, and yeah, that atmosphere was tremendous. And both uh, uh, both those games went down. To, was it one shot in the first game and last ball level level last score? Ball of both of them, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was funny because the the Irish Wales one, they were up in the rafters. England Scotland one, which I thought would have been up in the rafters, was sort of like a bit a bit, bit low key, wasn't yeah, it? Bit Didn't subdued I, compared I, to the others. Yeah, I, yeah. I just thought that was strange. That, but the heat in their mind, even I had to take my coat off. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was unbelievable. <laughs> It was, it was really, really. It was much better today. The toned it right down to right. Day, Yeah, it's getting that happy balance, and we, we we have this argument all the time about walking into bowls clubs and the heats up, the heats yeah. down. It's such a big area, so they've obviously gone with the decision to get the best out of the green pace wise yeah. and whack that heat on. I don't think the players would necessarily be too bothered about it because once you're into the heat of the moment, anyway, it's it's one of those things you don't even think about. But I do know a lot of the spectators were wafting. The, waft, <laughs> the old programs were getting wafted. Yeah, there was a lot of wafting. Ah, Plenty sweaty wallocks. <laughs> <laughs> Especially over my direction, I'll tell you, man. Without a doubt. The court had to come. Anyway, um, this will tie nicely with um, our chat we had with Alan Thornhill. The England-Scotland game went down to a measure. Umpire comes on. Power, the, the female umpire. Yeah. Tremendous. She, she goes down, does the measure, and she's surrounded by about 12 meerkats. Absolutely. We talked about this as well. It was tremendous, really. Could have timed it better. I mean, in, in fairness to her, she probably had 250, 300 eyes on her because everybody was waiting on that result. Yeah. Um, and I think Scotland had initially called two. I the thought game, they did. And they had a good look around it, and they says, no, no, I've got the umpire they, they on. They were half celebrating, I think, weren't they? A lot of them, they'd, they'd sort of like come over and say, like, yeah, two, two, and I'm, I'm looking like, Well, they got away. I, in my opinion, they were, they were extremely sort of lucky with the result result of the last ball because he got the two balls perfect yeah. and it just the way it rocked around it sat on the back ball and that was the one that ended up being shot for Scotland which got them the draw and then they've kicked on for the last two games and absolutely you know the blitz, yeah. the blitzed Ireland today. 
um, it was it was a no contest after about six seven ends. So uh, massive congratulations to the Scottish lads. Personally, I had a good look. I always like to have a look at the England boys, and yeah. you, you look to see who's who's coming up yeah. through the ranks. Who's the ones going to be pushing for senior honours? Yeah. There's, uh, you can see a few there, but it's young Ryan Garman Ryan, uh, must have been close to man of the series. He should have been man of the series, in my opinion. From you know everybody you talk to, and there people coming over and saying, "Have you seen that young lad on on England's team on rink, whatever it was?" And he was he was fantastic. And and from what I've been told, they were very surprised yeah. that he, he didn't actually get that. But at the same time, got to say congratulations to Dan Seaborn who did get it. Yeah, moved from England across to Wales, which was a bit of ill people to go with his girlfriend, and he's he's managed to get the Wales team and and came away with the man of the series award as well so, um, and that from the team that potentially finished bottom of the table as well speaks volumes he's obviously he, he obviously has played well but yeah congratulations to Scotland England I think there's a bit of work there to do and yeah. it boils back to the my opinion of stop thinking that your superstar skips find a position stick yeah. with it and play there Yeah, because for me there's just a little bit too much inconsistency yeah. in the ball. I think you, well, you, you always said you win it at the front end Yeah, and I think the front ends look just a little bit Mm, not there quite was, at the races at times I think there was two outstanding late performances from what I've been told across the series and you know there will have been good performances front end from England but there was certainly some that yeah. left a lot to be desired and, and potentially it's costing the series because you, like we've just said you've got to dominate those front yeah. ends and then you win the yeah. games and fair play to the Irish lads first ever win over England yeah absolutely fantastic I mean I, I didn't stop for the second session um, and when I seen the scores on the on internet I went bye crikey well, just what we've just said there about that Scotland England match being a little bit subdued the report I got I stopped for the first 8-9 ends the heat got the better of us and I, I <laughs> the gin it was the gin and the cheese <laughs> Leanne had to drag you away I want to get home and have a cold shower <laughs> the, um, according to the reports the second game Ireland absolutely overpowered them just right. through enthusiasm and, and, and I'd, I'd said in that earlier game once Ireland get the wind behind the sails yeah. they're, a, they're, they're a very dangerous team everything seems to start to roll in the right direction for them when things are yeah. going well um, and from what I saw yesterday I left and I think they were about 8 or 9 up and they've obviously maintained that and yeah. continued but first time they've ever beaten England under 25s and you look at you look at what we've got available to us and what they've got available and it's a fantastic achievement then it needs certainly addressing from our end things to be looked at and I'm sure they'll do the business they've got they've got a fantastic wealth of experience in the management yeah. setup, and they'll go back to the drawing board and work out how they're going to win it's it good year. though it, it's good that Ireland have managed to get a win of course it is it's, yeah. for, the, for the series yeah. I mean you, you look at the women's series England have just dominated that and the strength that they've got and the Irish girls there got a couple of couple of thousands but the last game they came back nearly nicked it against Wales exactly and, so. and unfortunately because it's because of the way it is you've got to go out there and win it but it's starting to become a little bit of a non-entity because it's yeah. the same results yeah. happening over Every, and over it used to be always the old England-Scotland last well the main international series as well didn't last it, year, it was, last year the series yeah. England-Scotland yeah. and, and like I say credit to the two um, the Welsh team I mean the Welsh yeah. team won it last year yeah. and it shows what a year can make because Welsh have finished bottom of the table this time yeah. but yeah it's, it's nice to see shock results and it's nice to see that there's some emerging players coming from yeah and hopefully it gives Ireland something to build on Definitely. next year because yeah, I think I'll, that will be the first time that they probably ever had a chance to win a, a series yeah. if they beat Scotland it was a shame because it's funny how these series work it always seems to happen but then I mean you've got a, you've had a draw there between England and Scotland yeah. so it's been a really really tight match then Ireland's gone on and beaten England in yeah. the second match so then you would say the form team potentially is Ireland going yeah. into that game because they've turned over England yeah. and then you, you get Wales going up against England and Scotland going up against Ireland yeah. and Scotland and England just, just steamrolled over them didn't over they? Them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, that's that's the way it all is, and whether you know it's concentration levels, three tough games in, in two. I think there must have been a few tired lads after the after the Saturday, because four hour games in that heat as well. Two four hour games. It's hopefully, mentally. Hopefully there was some common sense used, and they got back, had got a shower, got something to eat, and a couple of fans for the sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just had an early night rather than uh, stopping up and having a few. Pints. Going on the lashing, Stanley. Yeah, we'll go. <laughs> yeah they yeah. don't do things like that in this this sport now. Oh, um, the other thing to mention, we are actually now a, a trendsetter, mate. Uh, we welcome Ball Scotland into the world of podcasting. Rock and ball. Rock and ball. Yeah, sorry. Rock and balls. And yeah. He, um, yeah. Well, I mean we got contacted and we just yeah. asked a, a little bit of advice which we're more than happy to give as we as we posted on the Facebook page the other day great for the sport the more promotion the sport can get the better exactly mate. and without a doubt wish them the best of luck yeah, and just carry on doing what you're doing we enjoy what we're doing so hopefully they will as well 
now we catch up with Scotland's Gary Hood. Hello, Gary. How are you doing, all right? Not too bad at all, Gary, thank you. Thanks very much for coming on to the Wrong Bias podcast. Not a problem, thanks for having me. Our sponsor, Alex Marshall, actually recommended that we speak to yourself, and we thought it was great to have the the conversation with you, obviously, about your story. And I've got to hold my hands up on this one. Usually, Gary, um, giving me a little trade secret away, I usually send a few questions across to the guests that we're going to get on the show. I I thought it was a a great idea for us to just talk about your story, talk about your history in bowls, and I'm more than happy that... It will take care of itself, and, and I'm really looking forward yeah, no to problem. obviously hearing hearing what it was about. So obviously we're doing the show today, Gary, around about disability balls, and obviously this has come a, a major part of your life now. But yeah. starting starting from the beginning, Gary, can you just give us the history of your time in in, in the sport of balls, and and basically where you were, what happened, and where we where we are now, if that's okay? No problem. Well, I started when I was about 15 years old. I got into the county team, Ayrshire team, and then I got my first cap in 1986. Yep. Uh, I played from 86 to 96, captain for a season as well, won a couple of national titles, a British British runner-up. And then at the age of 35, I got offered a job abroad running bowling holidays for Thompson Holidays. Yeah. And it was actually Andy Thompson that told me about the job over in Ireland at Home International. So I applied for that and got it. And like I thought, I've played like, I've been 11 years now in the Scotland team. I'm still getting up and going to work every day. Yeah. So... I decided to, to head off to Cyprus and do that. Very nice. It was a six-month contract, but I finished up finding work in summer, and finished up. I stayed for twelve years. Oh, great! Uh, enjoyed it. Went went to Australia a couple of times, South Africa three times, Bali, different places, Jersey, just taking tourists, and Amazing. it was actually great. It was like being on holiday yourself. I bet. I bet. Uh, I came back from there, and I got back in the Irish team again. Uh, then the players decided they'd had enough of the committee, <laughs> so <laughs> they put me forward as team manager for the Ayrshire team. Unfortunately, I only did it for a season, and then I was struck down with what they call Gillian Barry syndrome. I just got up to go to pack my suitcase to go on holiday one day and couldn't stand up. Within three days, I was in paralysed with the neck down. Uh, it took them 12 days to diagnose it, and then they moved me up to the big hospital in Glasgow to the neurological unit, and I basically lay like that for five months, oh, unable great. to move at all. Was uh, there any cause for that, Gary? Is there, is there any anything that's particularly triggered it? It comes after a, a bad virus. Well, however, a lot of females have had it immediately after childbirth, so they reckon trauma can cause it as well. Right. I hadn't had anything. They said even a bad bout of diarrhoea, not nothing. Then they found out after I'd been in Glasgow for two months that I also had Lyme disease as well. They said that could have been the trigger, and that explains why. Normally, people when they have Guillain-Barré syndrome, they're just lying there paralysed, but you know they're they're not in too much pain. But although it is painful, my opus had contracted in my knees. Were an L shape. My legs were in an L shape, and they couldn't understand it. So they they found out the Lyme disease was probably the reason for that because blind disease contracts all your major joints. Right. So it one fighting against the other. And then I spent well, I spent a few weeks I couldn't talk either. I had been in intensive care because the muscles in my chest had been attacked as well, so my chest wasn't pumping so I couldn't breathe on my own. And fortunately I got through it. Then I spent six months in an inpatient down in the Douglas Grant Centre in Irvine, back in my feet and trying to walk again, use my fingers again. Uh, then I get to a hospital, I spent about a year in a wheelchair, and two years with uh, Linda Brennan, who unfortunately is no longer with us, and Andy Woody moaning at me to go into the Parables programme. <laughs> I've, been, I've been talking to Anne over the weekend, because we've been up with the Under-25 series at Stanley, uh, oh, so I was, I was having a talk with Anne, and I'd, I'd obviously advised you were coming on the show, and, and she was, you know, she, she'd she said she'd been she'd been on your back for quite a while to obviously do that. Just a quick one, Gary, obviously, from when this all happened, I mean, physically, for starters, is horrendous. From a psychological point of view, how much were you aware of this from, from day one? Were you always aware of what had happened, or was there a, there a period of time where you were just oblivious to, to the situation? Or No, I 
I, I had been diagnosed with a doctor in a sciatica and he told me just to keep moving and I was walking and getting worse and worse and then when I got up in the morning couldn't stand up but the strange thing was the two ambulance drivers who were both ladies when they left me in the hospital they were walking away one of them said to the other one that guy's got all the signs of Guillain-Barre syndrome so of course I, I googled it right away on my phone <laughs> right and despite it taking the consultants 12 days to diagnose me, yeah. I kind of thought about this and I kept reading it for three, four days and then I couldn't use my phone at all because I just became completely paralysed and I thought, this is probably what I've got. But I didn't know why I upset people like my mother and say anything, so I just kind of kept it. But when they moved me up to Glasgow, there were days I was... I was all over the place. I mean, I was waking up in the morning and I had been fighting with crocodiles and oh, the, the stuff that the medicine, morphine and tramadol, yeah. yeah. it was just an absolute nightmare. But okay. it was pain all the time. I mean, I thought I had four arms at one time. And then when you're lying in your bed, flat on your back, you think there's bricks on their ends that you're lying on and they're pushing up. And then when you go to push it down, it, oh, it was just, it was crazy. It was just, I can understand why it's neurological because the brain is just all over the place. That was sort of why I asked the question, Gary, because like I say, without even knowing what you were going through, the, the psychological side of things must have just really, really been the hardest, hardest thing to overcome because it, to, to have been able-bodied and then within, you know, within such a short period of time to lose that yeah. and, and find yourself in the position you are, it just... I mean, yeah. I, I completely and utterly take my hat off to the fact of how you've managed to come through that, because that must have just been completely traumatic from, from the first instance. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it, I found that it went steps, and I just had to think every day. I mean, you hear people saying, oh, he's fighting this or fighting that, but I was physically lying in my bed fighting just to, to stay alive, stay accomplished, mentis, try to keep understanding what was going on. I mean, the first thing you want to know is when you get back to work. Yeah. Then you want to know, you know, am I going to be in a wheelchair? Then everything starts going in your head. Am I going to get back to work? Am I going to be able to go a walk again? Am I going to be in a wheelchair? And people laugh at me. You know, it's crazy the things that you lie and think about. Absolutely. And that's, and the, and the worst part about it, it's the unknown, isn't it? You never know until, never you know, know, it's a future thing, isn't it? You, you're not going to know yeah. until further down the line. So it's always going to be playing on your mind as to, as to what the right. ultimate outcome is going to be. Yeah, everybody talks in statistics, like the doctor, the consultant. The consultant says, it looks like I'm not going to get any better than what I currently am, but it's statistically. 70% of people make a full recovery within two years, I think, yeah. and 30% don't. But the 70% are mostly under 40 years old. So, you know, the doctor, the consultant told me that. I says, you know, to be honest, for where I've been myself, you know, I, I, I accept that. I mean, I, I actually lost my eye at school in an accident when I was 15 years old as well. Right. So I had been through this sort of psychological process, if you want to call it that. But I, I, I did visit a psychologist after I'd been at the hospital for a good year, especially when winter came. Yeah. You're sitting in the house and you've got two nights a week playing in the league sometimes one at indoor and that's it other than going to your shop that's you in you a, live alone so in a perverse kind of way Gary did you find that what had happened to you when you were 15 year old helped in any shape or form with this obviously having gone through that trauma initially did it help you deal with that situation a little bit better do you think rather than it being sort of the first time it had ever happened in your life or is it just something that uh, you deal with individually in your own time it probably did in an unconscious way because it was a uh, I know it was a piece of white hot metal went through my in the metal work classroom and you know 15 years <laughs> you're starting to go with the girls and <laughs> things like that <laughs> and uh, that's one of the reasons I actually took bowling up because uh, at the time the doctor had said you know your other eye will strengthen through time yeah and uh, that's one of the reasons so I, I'm a great believer in uh, one door closes and another opens yeah. and there's, there's reasons why things happen and who they happen to and yet you, you, you know but see to be honest if you take a walk down this street any day you see a lot lot worse and think god i'm lucky we all have challenges through our life gary Dome, so and it's That's how you right. come back from it I, w- I was over the moon when i arranged to have this this chat on the podcast it was great to see you post the other day so so obviously you, the illness has happened and it's taken taken a long uh, i'm presuming a long time to get back where you've been able yeah, to yeah now compete and, and your post stated the other day that you'd made it into the Scotland team again which yeah over the moon you know I was so happy to see that from your point of view as well because um, I know again having talked to Anne, Anne this weekend she said that it's something she'd really pushed for you there was a bit of a barrier there initially is that right yeah mainly the 
mainly no accepting that you're disabled. Yeah, and that's that was a, the main one. And that's a, a massive thing, and that's a that's a common thing, and something we're, we're going to touch on in the podcast as well. And that disability doesn't have to necessarily be physical; it could be mental, or it can be as simple as arthritis or, or short sightedness, things like that. So, yeah, of um, course. And it's credit to yourself that you've obviously come through that. So, so you've obviously made it into this the, the Scottish para team. Where where is it you're going to be competing, Gary? It, it's a uh, home nations at the end of March down at Potters. Oh, brilliant. Uh, we've got that. We've a few things coming up. There's a pro am at East Lothian, which I think Alex gets something to do with as well. And para uh, disability bulls gets, there's bulls Scotland run it now. Uh, they get an invite, uh, invite for a triple or two or something. And then you've got the home nations outdoor at the end of the outdoor season. And then obviously the, the world para championships are in New Zealand in November. So, Initially, when I got me to go in, I thought, you know, if I go in that and make a real go at it and I'm successful, you know, I could actually end up going back to a Commonwealth Games. I was at the 94 Games, able-bodied. I mean, that's a story in itself, Gary. I mean, that, that would be just, you know, amazing. And in a lot of respects, it would just make you a complete ambassador to anybody who goes through a similar thing. To, to have been in the Commonwealth yeah. Games as an able-bodied athlete and then make it again would just be a phenomenal story. Uh, and I, I wish yeah, you... It would. I really wish you all the best with that. I really hope it, it, it happens for you. Well, I would like to. I would like to get to one of them anyway, just to be able to. I mean, I've actually thought that maybe over the next. I'm not getting any younger, so I was actually thinking over the next couple of years, I may suggest to both Scotland or anybody else about maybe taking up a role, voluntary, obviously, yeah. for getting parable and going you know, properly. Because as you say, there's people, I mean, you play games and you think, God, this guy never plays the forehand, ever. Yeah. You know, you never think, maybe he can he play the forehand, maybe there's some... Balance-wise or bad hip or yeah. something like that, yeah. He's, he's maybe got a bad hip or something, but these, a lot of people keep that to themselves instead of saying, look, I can only play the backhand because of blah, blah, blah. You know, I think the embarrassment has, does come into it a lot. It did with me. I mean, I hated going out in a wheelchair and put my head down when I seen people coming towards me that knew me. You're scared to go to even cash machines because you're, you know anybody, even now with my stick, I walk with a crutch and an arm support. And I stand at a cash machine and think, you know, if somebody grabbed this money, I couldn't catch them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all these sort of things that you think about, and then eventually you just it just becomes a part of everyday life for you. There'll be more from Gary later in the show. And now it's time for Richie's roundup. Cue the music. England's dominance in the women's under-25 home international series continues. In the series held at Arbroath, the England lasses never dropped a ring point in all three games. They opened up with a 114-shot win over Ireland, they then beat Wales by 64 and secured the title with a 51-shot win over Scotland. This was England's third series win on the trot. Scotland finished runners-up, Wales finished third and Ireland finished fourth. In the lads event at Stanley, Scotland took the honours. An opening draw against England before wins over holders Wales and then a title decider against Ireland. The final standing saw England finish runners-up, Ireland finished third and defending champions Wales finished with the wooden spoon. The overall series standing, England have 11, Scotland move up to 8, Wales have 2 and Ireland are still looking for their first one. A big shout out to both Ireland teams. The lads beat England for the first time ever, which actually gave them a chance of a first ever series win. While the lasses never let their heads drop after their opening heavy loss to England, so it's onwards and upwards. In the national competitions, the semi-final lineup of the ladies' Vivian Trophy has been confirmed. And that noise will signify we lost the defending champions as Colchester were beaten 69-65 by River Rain. The semi-final lineup will see Ipswich play River Rain and Dolphin play White Knights. And I have an apology to make to England's William Moulton for the lack of a mention on his World Indoor Under-25's title success. In the final, William beat Scotland's Kieran Clinton 12-10, 9-9.
and staying with the World Bowls Tour, the players' rankings for 2020 following this, this season's Indoor World Championships have been released. And like a set of dominoes, we've had a bit of a shuffle, but all 16 still remain in situ. Top of the shop is Nicky Brett. Current World Champion England's Robert Paxton goes up five places from eight to three. And Wales' Jason Greenslade jumps up from 15 to number 10. The rest just shuffled around. We'll see you all next year at Potters. There's been plenty of action in the open single circuit. First of all, the workshop event went to Herger's Pat Briscoe, who beat Darlington's Barry Hopkins on a tiebreak. The Lauren Vale title went to Weir Valley's Charles Bruder, who beat Barwell's Chris Moore in straight sets. While the West Burke's title went to Falalsa's Trevor Roberts, who beat Westlcott's Neil Smith on a tiebreak. And after those events, Herger's Pat Briscoe is the new number one, Chris Moore comes up to 11, Neil Smith is 14, Charles Bruner is 21, and Trevor Roberts is 23. The last event in February is the Clary Dunbar. And finally, we have more short mat players tour news. Falcon hosted the English Masters. The title went to England's Alex Clee, who beat Lawrence Moffat 15-3. This was Alex's second tour title, adding to his 2018 UK Open success. Meanwhile, the bronze medals went to Ireland's Joe Beatty and Belgium's Sibby Lorries. Stephen McAllister won the plate and Sam Moore won the shield. And we have a new world number one, as Ireland's Mark Beatty toppled England's Ed Shawbridge with Belgium's Jonathan Payne, yes that's Belgium's Jonathan Payne Richard, back in third. The next event is the Belfast Open on April the 17th, followed by the World Masters both events at the Belfast Indoor Bowling Club. And that's your lot. And now, a short feature on Disability Bowls England. So next week we've got um, up at Stanley again. They've just had the Under-25 series, but they've got another big event up there uh, next Sunday, which is the 23rd. Disability Bowls England are going to be attending and playing against a, a select Stanley team, uh, 24 players. Uh, firstly, I would I would definitely say, uh, if you can get there, please, please try and get along and support the event. Not just for the fact of obviously supporting the players that are there, but I promise you it will open your eyes so much as to what is, in my opinion, something that we do not promote enough uh, in our sport which is the disability side I've got no doubt there are a lot of people with disabilities who are are looking for a sport and bowls as we just heard with Gary is so accessible Uh, there are a lot of things that are available with regards to AIDS but I'm just going to I'm just going to mention one person in particular who's going to be playing for Disability Bowls England um, is Bob Love and Bob plays bowls completely um, he's a double arm amputee and he plays bowls completely with his foot and he's got a little sort of a cup on the top of his foot and the ball balances on on the top of the cup and basically you will see nothing like it. Bob competes at, with able body bowlers and he's been to Commonwealth Games and it's just it's, it is just fantastic to see. And the biggest thing is I think it's something that can be promoted so much by people there is no doubt people who will have family members who may have a disability or they will have friends and probably don't even know that bowls is accessible to come and play. I would really really recommend recommend going up to see that if you can. Stanley, I'd like to congratulate Stanley because I've been working with them through the Bowls Development Alliance and they're actually going to be awarded with their disability bowls mark on the day as well. So they have gone through a process of looking at all of their facilities and have met the criteria required to achieve the mark, which basically enables anybody with a disability to come into the club um, and and play bowls, which is which is a huge thing. And you know, up in the northeast and certainly within the county of Durham, they will be a beacon club with regards to disability balls so you know it's things like have they got a lift have they got parking access have they got ramps down to the green have they got access to the green have you got wheelchairs and it's a it's a tick list that the club has to go through and you know once everything is in place then you become a club that is accessible for anybody with a disability and that is Stanley Bowling Club and um, again congratulations to them they've they've worked hard to get that and I'm sure they will you know reap the benefits of potential new members and, and new groups coming to the club 
been actually playing balls on the green. So that's fantastic. And one other thing I wanted to mention is the disability inclusion module that is on the Coach Balls website. I will put the um, I will put the link on our Facebook page and Twitter page as well. Um, but anybody listening from individual clubs, I would I think it's twenty five pounds to go on this course. And I, I was on it the other day through my role. And what it does, it gives you an understanding as to how we should be discussing disability within a club and you know the terminology and you know the theory side of things but then you also get the opportunity to go on the green as well and test and try a lot of the aids that are available which are the wheelchairs the bowling arm the balls pusher and things like trying on glasses that are giving you limited sight no sight at all and it just gives you an insight as to when you're talking to somebody with a disability it will give you the information it'll give you the knowledge potentially that you need to encourage new members to your club and also give you an understanding as to what potentially you need at your own club as well to actually make it accessible for people with a disability um so i'd certainly definitely recommend that and again all i can reiterate is i think there's a you know we're, we're all talking about we need members in our clubs but have a good look at you know how many disability bowlers you have got in your club there there is a massive window there to actually promote our sport in that area but another thing is you know i think a lot of people do don't understand that can be something like you're hard of hearing or you've got arthritis or you struggle you've got a bad hip all of these things are disabilities it's not something to be embarrassed about it's not something that you know you should try and hide away because potentially there'll be things in clubs that clubs can buy which may prolong your career in the sport for an extra five or ten years as well bowling arms for example are absolutely fantastic means you don't have to bend over everything is done through the the contraption you grip the ball swing the swing the bowling arm and release the ball and it means that you're not having to bend over and it can obviously help with things like bad hips so just wanted to have a little bit of discussion about that and obviously give you a bit of advice on that and and i think it is really really important and there are lots of things out there that are available for anybody with a disability within this sport And now you return to Gary Hood's interview. And if anybody knew your story, Gary, it, it becomes certainly a stronger person for what you've been through. If people knew that story, then your embarrassment is completely wiped out because exactly. somebody would somebody would stand there and just be in awe of, of the situation and, and what it is that you've done. Are you okay just giving us an understanding as to what your restrictions are on the ball and grain, Gary? And do you use any sort of aids when you're playing as well? Yeah, I have to use the... I use this the uh, adapted crutch right. with the, the ring in the bottom and arm support because I can't even play like you know the way Kelvin Kirkow played. I was just about to say similar similar to Kelvin, yeah, because Kelvin uses yeah. that as a support base, doesn't he? Yeah, I can't even do that because my arm just like, I've not got enough in my arm to, to keep the stick straight and right. hold it up. So I'm basically got the stick out in front of me. Yeah. Uh, when I went initially to Kelvin Grove, Bob Christie took me. He's the para bulls coach at Bulls Scotland. Uh, it was SDS at the time and he took me and I mean I was I wasn't even stepping off the mat I couldn't step off the mat but I finished up playing in the bedroom you know in front of the bed it was hours and then in the bedroom a bit of foam rubber along the back of the skirting board and throwing balls against it falling onto the bed umpteen times and just thought no I'll get there because if I can do it once it's all about getting it doing it more often and I actually got to the final of the three national singles last year in Scotland indoor and outdoor two outdoor and one indoor and I had to pack in after 11 ends of the indoor one because I just couldn't carry on it's a lot harder and you know even able-bodied it's certainly a lot harder indoors than it is outdoors because you're, you're very much solid it's a solid base isn't it whereas outdoors it's yeah. quite flowing because you, you you go through with the ball the surface is a little bit softer yeah, as well that's um, right yeah that's one thing with the sport that really you know doesn't get promoted enough it's amazing how many muscles and what strength you actually need to play this sport and the the old perception of oh it's just for older people then yeah. maybe people need to have a look at anybody with a disability or the older generation and question how it is that they are still as fit as what they are and still playing the sport and and I've said for a yeah. long time doctors should be promoting this and, and it doesn't seem to happen well there's a couple of things here I've heard a lot of people saying that that's great that he's 85 and he's still bowling and I always say no the reason he's it's the other way around he's 85 because he's been bowling yeah. and that's the way I think it. I think that's why there is so many old people in the game because it does keep them fit and add a few years 
because I remember a, a doctor telling me a long, long time ago that when you throw a ball in the, the normal sort of main upright delivery action, he said, you use every single muscle in your body. That's right. You know, and I found that amazing, you know, and then when you count the, the distance, I mean, I, I, I wear a Fitbit now because I was having problems. People tell me not to do too much. You don't know you've done too much until you've done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I would go and play balls for two, three hour games, maybe, par a ball and they'd play for five hours with a half hour for lunch. And I'd be fine. It wouldn't be until the next day. Yeah. I would be in agony and I could hardly get out of my bed. Feel it in your, so in I your don't legs, wear yeah. a Fitbit, you know, and I've got it set to a certain amount of step. And when I hit those steps, I say, that's enough. And then I'll try and increase it. But you increase it just by maybe 50 steps a day and, it, and, and it's enough. That's brilliant. But, uh, and it's, it's not just the physical side. And what I've always said, you know, if, uh, let's go along that 85 year old story again it's it's the mental side of things as well it, you know people underestimate how important it is to keep that brain ticking over and you're out there and you're yeah. talking to people you're meeting people you're up and down the green you're concentrating on the shots you're still counting because you're counting shots and you're using boards and that is just as important as what the physical side of things is exactly 100 percent agree with you on that because and, you're no basically with all due respect to people that don't play balls they're, they're not sitting in the house uh, just fading away um, yeah, yeah. I mean, even you, you, you can people say you're throwing four balls. I say, but wait a minute, you've got to bend down to pick the ball up each time to it as well. Yeah, and it's a kilo, it's a kilo and a half each ball as well. So you, you're lifting yeah, a weight. So I mean, it's for a lot of older people. If you put a kilo and a half in each hand and told them to lift their arms up straight, they probably couldn't do it. But exactly. they'll lift a ball and throw it. Push it thirty meters down a grain is no main feat. I'm a great believer in that. that so I was listening to the, the New Scotland podcast last night as well, where David Gurley was talking about, he was asked, how do you improve somebody like Paul Foster or Tati? And it was like, he's no, he's only like, if you improve them 1%, it's the difference between winning or losing a medal. Definitely. No, so we're the same. You know, I've always said that, although I played international for 11 years and skipped a rink at the Commonwealth Games, I was never on the same level as the likes of Paul Foster, Alec Marshall, David Gurley. But if I didn't like my beer and I didn't smoke, then I could have maybe been. You, you, these are things that you, you'll never know. And I think everything should be looked at, especially in the days when they're trying to promote healthy living and all the rest yeah. of it. But as long as they don't take it too far, you know, some of these diets are crazy. Don't eat this and don't eat that. I've seen it myself and, and when I have lost the weight I just feel it, again it's that direct correlation you're talking about smoking and drinking there and obviously we know that there's there's an adverse effect on your health you know you're, you're up and down the green and you don't even think about the fitness side you've got to set target you do and, 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 it's, and, and it, I mean there's no point in no setting if somebody said to me a Commonwealth Games and I said well look if I don't get there I'm not going to die or something but I need to have something to I mean I set targets every day when I was in hospital when I you know, when I didn't do physio you know, even if it was just to be able to go on Facebook on my mobile and I put a thing up in front of me and I had a hand thing and I mean everything was just it, you've just got to have targets to, and if you don't have targets you I don't ever think you'll achieve anything no you're right you've got to set little goals and, and listening to your story Gary that's all you've done from this instance happening because just talking about how you were in your bedroom and, and you've fallen against your bed but you've got that goal to pick yourself up and say if I can do it once then I can do it again and I can do it again and it's yeah. like everything in life, isn't it? You always hit a barrier. You always get there, but if you give up, then rather try and fail. Try. That's absolutely, the, absolutely, Gary. That's I totally the agree. attitude you've got to have. Without a doubt. I, am I right in thinking that you were quite instrumental in the Thomas Taylor charity match organisation as well, Gary? Yeah, it was actually my idea. And I organised it all in the beginning and then I ran it for five years or something. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, I couldn't make one of the seasons. Uh, I was seeing a girl whose son was basically pretty ill so I didn't want to get down there and leave her alone and then uh, the boys have carried on and I think the same nucleus of boys are still there yeah brilliant. I think it's 11 years now and it's about £60,000 I've raised. And you, you should take a lot out of that as well, Gary, for obviously for oh, setting I that do. up in the first place. Well, I'm a great believer and if you get something out again, there's too many people, that, they get a lot out of bowling and then when they're not good enough, they get that lot out of bowling, they just roll up at their club or pack it in all together. If even 2% of the people did that, do that, we to say, like, look, let's put something back into the game. Definitely. 
No, it would be the game. I, I, I always say, if half the members in every bowling club invited a new member next year and give them £10 off their fees when that new member pays their fees, you wouldn't belong in increasing the membership. Yeah, yeah you're right. And, and that's that's things we, we're forever trying to promote, you know. And, and that's uh, and we're always talking about how you've got to promote out in the public. But, you know, just word of mouth within your own family. Or we, we all know that some families have got an opinion about how, you know, somebody playing balls. But it's amazing how many of those people change their mind once they actually come down and try it and that's what we always talk yeah, about yeah of course uh, of course well, I mean a lot of the guys laughed at me at work when I was younger ah oh, same here playing balls <laughs> yeah, I, I go down to the indoor now and these same guys are now playing balls but they never started they were in their 40s yeah I was <laughs> you, know, uh, I to them, you could have started at the same time as me you never know where you could have got <laughs> When I when I worked for a logistics company, I was fondly known as the Blue Rinse Prince. <laughs> that was my nickname at work, <laughs> and that happens all the time. And like you say, you just you you ride above, and it's amazing how many of those people further down the line all then come back and say, "I wish I'd started when I was younger." So we always course, we always yeah, sort of we always sort of have the last laugh in the end. Okay, to go through the seven up questions, yeah. fantastic, right? Yeah, sure. Here we go. Yeah, so it's sure. just as you'll have heard before, it's five it's five relative to the sport and a couple of daft ones chucked in there as well you might swear at it as a couple of them but uh, right. we'll take that as it comes so the first question no is favourite green Gary favourite green yeah uh, my one green at Moth one used to be very good very good but it's very difficult I would, I would probably say Dune Scotland no problem the other fantastic and what balls do you use Gary I use Hensalite Classic 2 size 4 Rangers or Celtic Rangers toughest opponent either team or individual there's too many, too many. Uh, Have a think about one back back in your days as an international skip. Oh, Tony Alcock probably, because he would play unorthodox shots that you just never expected. Absolutely. Best match you've ever played in, Gary? Uh, that was against Tony Alcock, the final of the British Isles Triples in Belfast. Yeah, it's tough. Haggis or roast beef? Haggis. And future ambition in the sport? Either the World Championships this year or the Commonwealth Games uh, 22 or both. Fantastic. Great stuff, Gary. And that's your seven up okay. questions. But, um, Gary, um, it's been absolutely, from my point of view, completely inspirational. I think we've covered everything, um, Gary, and genuinely every success in the future. And I really hope you make that um, Commonwealth Games team. And, and to be honest with you, Gary, if you do, it would be you know, potentially great to have you back on. And thanks so much for coming on. And You're welcome, Dave. Thanks for having me. Not mate. a not a problem at all. It's been a pleasure, Gary. Thanks very much, man. Okay. Cheers. You take bye care. Now. Cheers. Bye now. Competition time. Thanks again to Alex Marshall Sports, who always support us and sponsor our competitions. Um, prize will be advertised on our Facebook page when we broadcast the new recording. Um, the question for today, we want to know who was Gary's toughest opponent. And you will have heard that during the 7-Up questions as a little bit of a clue. Uh, all you need to do is drop us a line either via Facebook or Twitter. Drop us an email on wrong.bias.hotmail.com and drop us your answer and you will be playing for a very nice prize again. Well, mate, number nine completed. Before we close, I thought there was a subject that caught my eye. We got an email from somebody about two weeks ago mentioning the River Mead Club. Uh, that's based in a local leisure centre and it's been earmarked for closure in 2022. Um, the Redden Council are building a new leisure centre but have not included indoor balls in their new plans, which is obviously disappointing for the 300 members that they've got. Something, something um, very close to our own hearts, really. Yeah, it, it is. It, years um, six years ago, we lost a, we lost a very good centre at Courtry Leisure Centre in Sunderland through very much the same tale where local council left the leisure centre to die 
high on its feet really not spend on the upkeep on it and eventually the axe fell on us and they knocked us down so all the members at Rivermead we, we feel you up here and up in the northeast. we hope you get yourself sorted um, I know it doesn't look too the future doesn't look too bright reading on the internet but it, it goes back to the, the the councils again not taking on board the benefits of the sport David really I was just about to say that I mean whether it would make any difference or not but you know all of these councils and the government and everything are forever pressing oh, you know we need to be more be active fit, keep fit keep fit keep yeah. active and that's all very well for the, you know the younger ages but as we know our sport is predominantly a, a higher age and as part of your complaint procedure or, or whatever it is that you're putting in there I think you really need to stress the fact of it's not just the fact that you're taking a sport away from a lot of people but we've discussed it in this show today you're taking away something that potentially you know it, yeah. it helps to it helps to keep you fit in later life and yeah, it, I mean, it extends you, your life you've got people sitting probably looking at four walls like we're looking at the minute prop in fact we actually probably reflect on them because it's freezing <laughs> yeah, in here it four freezing. walls i'm looking at pine walls with a wrong bias poster on i wish i was back up with stanley yesterday <laughs> freeze. i've taken it all back now me me, me, me betty swallicks have now frozen <laughs> but uh no we, we do feel your pain i know um that one of the, the statements from the Redden council have, have come out and said well is there's not a need for two indoor balls clubs within the Redden area because they've got White Knights which is about four miles away so they said they, there's, there's plenty of space at White Knights whether that's right or not is another matter but they, they did say that about Sunderland and Horton they did say well there's no need for two indoor bowling greens within Sunderland so you can go to Horton I'm sorry but if there's a if there's not a need for something that has 300 members then there's something certainly wrong and yeah, like I, I say, it may end up being it may end up being a benefit for White Knights you know there's another opportunity there for members, this, yeah. there's always that thing and you'll have found it when you went to Horton as well you yeah. can't get away from the Sunderland no. Horton thing can you it's oh no 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 I mean even, even six club. years now I mean there are hopefully plans we touch wood you never know something might be in the the ins we we have ourselves attended meetings with the sun and council um and they are hoping to put a, le- a new leisure center facility and we've tried to get our foot in the door to, to get balls included yeah whether that happens or not i'll I don't know. The onus is on us over the next couple of years to prove that there's a need and, and that's, that goes back to the age-old story of we've got to get clubs to be being more active and yeah. recruiting better and if they can see that numbers have gone up within an area over a period of two years, then in two years' time we've got a big argument to yeah. turn around and say, well, we do that again for the next five years, your leisure centre's full. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I bet you there's not a, a leisure centre in the country that hasn't got peak and off-peak times. There'll not be a leisure centre that will be packed from 10 o'clock to 9 o'clock at night. And and I think these council people turn up at a, a, a leisure facility and they walk in at some obscure time and they look around, there's six empty rinks here and there's six empty rinks there. Well, they didn't need another indoor bowling club. You go to swimming baths, you'll have two people doing 100 metres up and down there. Yeah, <laughs> and people work. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm on my soap opera box with the council, mate. <laughs> I love them, I love them. But no, I've enjoyed that one, mate. The the interview with Gary Hood was was uh, oh, just inspiring, amazing, mate. Amazing. And, and having been involved in the disability side of things and, and sort of learning within my role, it, it does it does open your eyes. Yeah. Uh, and as we've said, it just it opens your eyes more so to the fact of how, how you can still continue to play. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm looking forward to go up because I'm going to have a dodge up to Stanley when uh, next weekend just to see it because I've never seen disability balls so no doubt I'll get my eyes opened at that as well and finally many thanks to every all the listeners we've went through the 4000 barrier and we've got a couple of episodes that hit 500 each which is uh, tremendous so again we must be doing a little bit right definitely it's great I, I love it and I'm still enjoying it now nine shows in um, we'll get, just get to wear big boy pants mate number 10 number next number 10 we'll have a special one for our 10th anniversary yeah we'll, we'll sit here in the nude one last one last <laughs> quick thing though, before we do yes. go is just quickly we sort of were going to touch on an email that we got from the previous show with regards to routines Yes, about playing balls. So obviously, I, I, I never thought to ask Gary, but um, I thought it gives us a little opportunity. Come on then, what's your routine? <laughs> my Mr. routine in, indoors. My routine indoors, seeing as I'm playing at Houghton, is I go in, I take one coat off, I put my other coat on, and go straight back out. Whoever <laughs> 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 said nine till five is a balls job? You know what I mean? It, it's in and out. I don't put my socks on the wrong way. I've I tie my shoelaces. I, I've, to be honest, I, I did many, 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 many years ago. 
when I was a kid, I used to listen to When You Never Walk Alone. <laughs> I used to put some loud music on. It's come back to haunt us now because I've got tinnitus in our Canada, yeah. <laughs> but superstitions, no, I, I don't think I've really got, got any you, mate. Yeah, there's uh, odd times. I'll... Apart from keeping the same pair of underpants on, no, <laughs> which you said last time. <laughs> which... No, I don't, I don't go that far, but I must admit I am a little bit, if I'm if I'm in a two or three day competition, a little bit gross, but I don't like to change my socks, I must admit. Right, but, all right. But getting away from the pre-match routine, I have yeah. got a little quirk that I do in every game, uh-huh. and uh, and it's just I always stand at the back of the mat and I always separate my balls from the opposition's balls, yeah. uh, uh-huh. and it's something that I just do automatically now, and it that's my little bit of time for thinking prior right. to going and delivering my ball, and then I always say I always say to a lot of people when I do a little bit of help coaching and, and bits and pieces with with people, you can forget about what happens up the top if you didn't yeah. get the mat bit right if right. you don't get the mat bit right yeah. then you can forget about the rest and I think a lot of people are so quick to get on the mat let go of the ball and want to see where the ball's gone before they've even thought about it yeah. but I tend to go through exactly the same routine behind the mat before every single ball I'll probably spin me it's things now I don't even think about it yeah. just happens naturally I'll separate my balls I'll pick my ball up think about it wait until the player's off the mat and then go through exactly the same routine so I think indoors especially you've got to be like a robot yeah. and try and repeat 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 every single time so one one thing i definitely would say uh, on the back of that is anybody who wants to improve the game have a really good focus on what you're actually doing at the mat end before you even think about what's happening where your ball has gone at the top because yeah. you will find that if you get that repetitive routine going and start to do the same thing you get a ball close to the jack and do the same thing again ordinarily you will get that ball there or thereabouts again yeah. so that would be one thing i certainly say about routines yeah. well there's there's one that's come to mind Gary Smith, if ever you play Gary and he's in trouble and he, he comes back to the mat and he needs a big ball, he'll spin it on the floor before he picks it up. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I've seen him do it that many times. Yeah, that's... It's funny, it's funny how those that, that mindset thing does it. It's, it's, yeah. and I, I, I always call it like a comfy blanket, but it is. It's that, just, it's that whole thing that just focuses your mind and... It's a daft little quirky thing, like yeah. spinning a ball or separating the balls from. Then it frees your mind up for when you yeah. go when you go down and play your balls because I've done what I needed to do. And and I, I, another thing as well, how many people you've got two stickers on from one club and you've got two stickers <laughs> yeah, on from oh, the county. Exactly. I cannot peel them off <laughs> in a game of singles. I cannot play one sticker first, then a different sticker. Then uh, go back to, yeah. I've got to play two of one and two of the other, and right. I even go through the stupid thing of saying. Well, my county ones are more important, so I'll leave them the last. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> be wrong. Buy your stickers now, mate. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't take them off for Horton stickers. I, I play them wrong. Buy your stickers. <laughs> You'll be but, getting uh, wrong again. I know. I'll be getting wrong again. And the the other thing is like a reverse superstition. Really, is is when people take the mat up and then everybody kicks the balls up, but they leave yours at the back. <laughs> Didn't that? Have you many times does that happen? That really knock you off. Thanks, mate. Thanks. You know, so you, you want the mat. You go. There's four balls at the back there. You go. Mean the skipper. I go. I'll get them, mate. You're alright. You're alright. I'll get them. But no, it's been a cracking show, mate. And we will look forward to seeing you all in show number ten. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening, and hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been a dodgy production. <laughs>